I'm not gonna sing it again now that I'm recording. Okay, that's fair. Space Jam DVD. Space Jam DVD. What if we just did that for the entire episode? If you just said Space Jam DVD, uh, and just with the inflection of what you actually wanted to say and see if we could actually communicate. Um, I think that would fail miserably, if I'm being entirely honest with you. Then that sends us to our to our height of, of uh, popularity is just by being dumb. I mean, of course, that is I mean, that is goal. That is kind of exactly what we're doing right now, is popularity by stupidity. I'm okay with that. You know? I'm okay with being known for that. For being dumb? Absolutely. I mean, among our friends, we are known for things like terrible jokes. My jokes aren't terrible. Not to you. Or to, you know funny people uh, no because I yeah, think stumped, you're you on, terrible. stumped you on that one didn't no, I because I think your jokes are terrible I'm a funny person are you though yes yes very much so because I've been told you're... by many people I'm funny well, if you have to be told then you know you're not funny no, I think if you have to tell people that you're funny then you're not funny I don't tell people that I'm funny you I just, just am. told me that you're funny no I just am no, I, don't t- I didn't tell you that told me that you're funny I didn't tell you, you that told I'm... everybody I'm gonna run it back I didn't tell them that I was funny I just am funny. And that's kind of how I live my life. Just being, you know? You exist, that's true. Speaking of existing, the cat has joined us for this episode. It's lovely. Looking at the light. That'll do. Very good. Good job, Jester. Yeah. We've been been working hard. We have. We uh, put in quite a a bit of effort towards some projects this week. Some projects. Some projects. If you listen to the podcast, you're one of the ten people that listens to this podcast. Thank you, thank you. And, you, and you'll know before anyone else. We're working on a, a chunky little homebrew pack that we're going to release on Drive Through RPG uh, on blood magic. Blood magic subclasses, spells, feats, magic items, the whole nine yards, really. Mm-hmm. The whole, all nine of them. Yes. I don't know. We're what, not stopping at eight. Not stopping at eight. No. We're not going to go to ten either. We're not. That that's it, Kel. We're not, we're not trying to fucking show off we're or anything. We're not tryhards. We are not tryhards <laughs> in the slightest. No. Okay. Um, but it will not interrupt our normal monthly release of free homebrew. This upcoming one is uh, some feats. Feats, yep. Uh, we're, not, we're not really feat men ourselves, but no. we, we enjoy a good Dungeons & Dragons feat from time to time. Mm-hmm. I feel like we could have an entire discussion about feats and how difficult they are to get sometimes. <laughs> It's a hard choice. Yeah. Um, it's very limiting. And I, I like that we the way we play, we tend to just be like, eh, have some feats. It's fine. Yeah. Just take them. <laughs> are, we, are, is, is, like, are we in the fucking Twilight Zone? Like, this is the second again. time we've sat down to record and we... All right. All right. Well, um, I swear this isn't a bit. No. We never get visitors. And this is the second time while recording that we've gotten a visitor. Let's see who it is. Oh, hey, sir. How are you? What's that? Hey, Sure. 
Well, I hope that uh, this isn't all this isn't a joke. Like this isn't a bit that we plan. I swear to God. Like this is fucking ludicrous. If you want to take the time right now, you could uh, you could have I'd say thirty seconds to rage against uh, big internet. Okay, I'm gonna need at least ninety. All right, you are granted. Internet service providers are scams. They're legal corporate monopolies they are the worst and only i will say i will say in a, for a positive for a positive with new fiber lines that they're running which is what this fucking bullshit was about with fiber lines that they're running they're new and the government is not being so dumb as to just allow only one company to use them so uh this 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 gentleman came to our door to let us know that they installed that Cincinnati Bell installed fiber up to our complex, and thus we have another option for internet if we want it. Um, no. I'm not going to do that. ISPs are garbage, and I hate them. And, uh, I cede the rest of my time. Alright. Anyway. They don't even list a price. Fuck off. They don't even list a price. I hate ISPs so much. Well, that was our. <laughs> that was uh, that was. That's the second time. That's the second time this has happened to us. We sit down to record. We're getting into a groove, and for the first time in three months, someone knocks on our fucking door. Right. At least last time it was like <sighs> the guy was trying to be helpful to the neighbor. Yeah, the last one was nice. It was a nice guy, but now I'm just annoyed because I hate. <laughs> I, I straight up thought that I was being punked for a second. I'm not going to lie. I also would have loved if it was just one of our friends being like, hey, you guys know how you always say that you can come over whenever you like? We're taking you up on that now. Right, that random offer we give. We always, we always put it out, and we're always very genuine. Like, our friends can come over any time, and then they never do. Yeah. I was straight up expecting, like, Rachel to just be at the door being like, hey, what's up? I'm here to hang. And we're like, oh. <laughs> you can sit on the couch quietly for two hours. Last time Jay, I saw, I talked to Jacob. He's like, you know, I never took you up on that. Maybe I'll start doing. That. I'm like, yeah, I'm home. I'm home all day. You're home half the day. Yeah. And oh, um, what were we talking about? I don't remember. <laughs> Something about foot fetishes, I think. Oh, right, right, right. Not foot fetishes, but feet fetishes when feet. it comes to D and D. I do fetishize a good a good feat from time to time. Yeah, I will yeah. say. Eventually, we'll have to do a, a our 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 a a recording of our stances on when, how, and what feat to take. Obviously, uh, last week we did the feat um, yes yes uh, survey um, by Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, they didn't post it on their website though. They were like just there was like a weird survey link that was like floating about. It was from Wizards of the Coast. Like, Wizards of the Coast made the survey, but they just, like, never posted it on their website for some reason. It seems a little silly, but we we gave our thoughts on all of the feats in the PHB. That was last week's episode. Mm-hmm. So a good time. Yeah, and then, like we said, we have a feats pack coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time you listen to this, it will be out. It will be available. Uh, if you're watching right now live on the TikTok, it'll be the first week of March. So next week. Next week. Next week. It'll be a good time. We also have... All the socials, the Twitter. You follow us on TikTok, Dungeon Bros YT, for both of them. Check D- out our Discord. The Discord. There's a link tree in our Twitter and our TikTok, and probably somewhere on YouTube. There's a link to join our Discord server. 
got a lot of people growing. We got a lot of people growing. There are people joining it. Um, it's a good time. We we need a we need more interaction though. I think. Yeah, we're. I think we are in, as individuals are are trying to do a bit better as well about contributing and sparking conversation. Uh, we do have like a looking for group channel that uh, people always post in, but it doesn't look like people are really going out there to try and get like a little online D&D thing, so I think it might be fun for us to be like, hey, let's grab some people and do a little one-shot on, on the Discord server. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe that's something we'll do here um, in, a, in a couple weeks. Once Maybe once we wrap up our blood pack some more. Yeah, and things, can, get a, uh, things get a little We can chill. offer a, uh, maybe some playtest sessions with that via our Discord. Jester, if you attack that tripod, I'm sending you back to the pound. You don't have the heart. I would never do that. Yeah. You can also subscribe to us on Twitter. Or subscribe YouTube. to us on YouTube. Uh-huh. Follow us on Twitter. All the things. Podcast services around the globe. All that. Oh, please don't. Oh, gosh. That was a little... Man. Whew. Okay. She almost did not clear the cable that's plugging in my phone right now. So that's... Anyway. Wow, I'm... I'm so thrown off right now, but like I threw you off your game. I hate I hate internet service providers. Anyway, we got a couple news items before we get into our spoiler cast. Yes, of the Legend of Vox Machina, which has just completed on Amazon Prime. First season. Has, First season has, has has wrapped up. Yeah, and we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about it. If you want to watch it, you can get a free uh, month of Amazon Prime and just binge all twelve episodes. And there's also some other good stuff on on Amazon as yeah. well. So check it out. Or, if you're so inclined, wait until next fall, because the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, yeah, is going to be on Amazon Prime. So that's exciting. I'm very pumped for that. A lot of people are poo-hooing it for a lot of stupid reasons that just run the gamut, the spectrum of people, and they're all being idiots about it. And I'm like, it looks fine. Mm-hmm. It looks like, like, obviously there's like the Hobbit, the Hobbity sort of, like, CG going on, but it's better, and there's less of it. So, I'm excited. It's fine. I, I it's think people be are just so quick to naysay anything, especially especially uh, ringers for sure. Yeah. are very very critical of things that take place in Middle Earth. Very very critical, even yeah. though it's it's going to be fine. It's not going to be like the last season of Game of Thrones. I, I would all but guarantee that. <laughs> anyway. We've got three news items for the, for the day. First one, as reported by Games Radar, a brand new D&D starter set is on the way. And this set was announced in the weirdest way possible. Um, Hasbro, they, they sell a lot of D&D products. They're one of the parent companies that owns Wizards of the Coast. And they uh, gave a little YouTube sizzle reel, just like a boring promotion. It has like 7,000 views on YouTube because who gives a shit about watching Hasbro's promotional material? Right. In the sizzle reel, you can see a starter set for D&D called Dragons of Stormwreck Isle, which is brand new. It comes with, it comes with uh, some blue dice, which is a little bit different than the uh, other starter set. Also only six dice. It doesn't, t- it doesn't yeah. include the percentile D10, which is a bit weird, but... I mean, another another adventure, another starter set is cool. Uh, apparently, Wizards of the Coast had not mentioned the product before this video, but uh, when Games Radar reached out to Wizards for comment, um, they could only find reference to like a, a Business Wire press release, 
and uh, apparently it's listed at a recommended price of forty nine ninety nine. Even which is like in the line of all the D and D books, pretty much. Yeah. But uh, the original starter set costs twenty dollars. Yeah, I've, I've bought one of those before for yeah. somebody. Um, which I mean, even even the original starter set was definitely lauded by some uh, more you know intense fans of D and D, where it's like you don't need to buy this. I'm sorry, that's my fault. Uh, you don't they where they were mentioning you you know you don't need to buy this until or you know, because you can just find it all online or this that or the other and it's like yes but it's all about ease of access and twenty dollars for a portion of the PHB a portion of the DMG and a portion of the monster manual plus an adventure and some pre-gen characters some for pre-gen a brand new characters. set of dice it's reasonable reasonable fifty dollars seems like a bit much and from the image it doesn't look like the dragons of stormwreck isle is an adventure that's much longer than the starter set adventure so it's not like a full like campaign book mm-hmm. or like an adventure book so the pricing is a little bit weird also i mean wizards of the coast hasn't officially announced it yeah so this is all very subject to change neat interesting i, th- I think it's hilarious that Hasbro is just like, oh yeah, we'll just put this in a sizzle reel and 7,000 people are going to watch it and no one's going to recognize it and there's articles. I think that's funny. I think uh, Hasbro has not hit the uh, the understanding that the Marvel Disney uh, crew has where as soon as you drop something, even a little tiny hint of something, that uh, fans of the extreme are going to jump on and be like, look. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about Hasbro. Hasbro. It's getting a little, it's getting a little rocky over there. Yeah. Second news item. Free the Wizards. Pawtucket's Hasbro faces proxy fight over Dungeons and Dragons. This is from Yahoo News. Very reputable source. I believe specifically it's referencing the uh, Providence Journal. If you don't know much about corporations, they tend to be owned by a massive number of entities, especially public corporations that are traded on the stock market. Uh, one little corporate one little uh company here uh alta fox capital management is in texas and it owns two and a half percent of uh hasbro's outstanding stock so stock that is sold to the public so like the probably more than half of the company in terms of their stock allocation is owned by like their corporate leaders their owners maybe their employees etc and then the of the public stock two and a half percent of that is owned by this firm which is not a large percentage, but in on the scale of stocks and corporate, it's very, very important. Um, right now, Hasbro is trying to elevate a new chief executive, Chris Cox. <laughs> Chris. <laughs> yes. Uh, he currently heads the company's Wizards of the Coast and Digital Gaming Division. But this Alta Fox Capital Management Company in Texas is trying to throw their weight around a little bit, and they want to spin off the Wizards of the Coast and the Digital Games Division in its, into its own entity and try and shake up Hasbro's board and, in turn, reduce executive pay. Basically, Alta believes that Wizards of the Coast and their Digital Games Division is kind of propping up the other divisions of Hasbro and that if the, the that if uh, Wizards of the Coast was spun off into its own into its own separate entity that um they would be able to keep more of their assets for themselves instead of other Hasbro divisions 
which would then give more cash flow for projects for Wizards of the Coast, D&D, digital games, as well as, uh, in turn, it would reduce uh, the pay of executives at Hasbro and really kind of have to change their board of directors structure. It's kind of dry, but it kind of puts into perspective a little bit more of the corporate going because we always think of like Wizards of the Coast as like its own thing. Yeah. But it is owned by Hasbro and Hasbro has the rights to like printing pretty much everything. Yeah. The starter set, the essentials kit, the their line of minis, everything. And toy companies are toy companies. I think in the 21st century, the digital age, it's a lot harder to sell toys. Kids want to play on the iPad a lot more than with a, a plastic truck. I don't want to make it. I don't want to make a claim about which I would think is better, just because I don't think we're very well informed on this. Mm-hmm. I would say the idea of uh, breaking up corporations. I'm always probably going to be in favor of, uh, especially when you look at like the video game industry and the waves and waves of corporate consolidation that are happening. Like it's not going to be good for the games industry. And spinning off Wizards of the Coast and letting it be its own entity, I think, could be beneficial to it as well as their customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, AltaFox owns only 2.5% of outstanding stocks, and they can throw their weight around. But as with their amount of weight that can be thrown around, um, they would need basically the permission from the board of directors to shake up the company in that way so yeah. I, it doesn't look like something that would be very likely to happen but it is something that's going on in the background and while it likely won't impact D&D and Wizards of the Coast like day to day operations or releases and any of that it is something that I think it's important to be made aware of right I think that this sort of thing like you said it's very dry and not something we usually cover because we usually try to cover more of the content based stuff um, and and the goings on in the community, but uh, the background is very important because I don't think a lot of people look at Wizards of the Coast as just being part of another entity, like you said. And you know, we live in a we we a lot of uh, due to social media. There's a lot of um, parasocial relationships, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of those are customer to company, where a lot of small businesses will listen to their customers, but this goes to show that Wizards of the Coast is they're not just somebody you're reaching out to Twitter to get you're reaching out to on Twitter yeah. to get a change happening. They've still got they've still got Daddy Hasbro in the background, hand on the shoulder. Big Daddy Hasbro. Big Daddy Hasbro. I don't like that. Alright, we will strike I will, that from the record. We will not. You you you're not gonna do that. Not I'm not telling you what to do. I'm predicting what you'll do. Anyway, uh, <laughs> AltaFox has nominated a couple of people to the board of directors since there are a couple of spots open. Uh, not, not really anyone that means anything to us. Matthew Calkins is the CEO of Appian Corporation, which is cloud computing and enterprise software. Uh, Carolyn Johnson, a former executive for American International. Uh, Ronnie Hublu, a principal at Incline Strategies. Uh, Marcelo Fisher, the Chief Financial Officer of Cloud Communications and Financial Services Company, IDT. The interesting one, John Finkel, Managing Partner at Investment Management Firm Landscape Capital Management. And you may recognize him because he is a former professional player of Magic the Gathering, as well as other tabletop games. 
I'm not I'm not a big Magic the Gathering person. Not either. I've fallen off of my Magic the Gathering arena obsession from a couple of months ago. But yeah, uh, I mean, corporate shakeups can have trickle down effects. Um, Wizards of the Coast is somewhat isolated in their corporate structure, but just something to keep an eye out for. Yeah. Could, there could there could be big developments here that would really kind of change the game of the comp- change the the way the company operates, change the game a little bit. Follow us for more. I'm sure if something interesting comes up, we'll let you know. We won't be the first because we only release every two weeks, but we'll let you know eventually. But we'll move on to our third and final news item for the podcast today from Market Watch, a Dungeons and Dragons musical set to premiere in New York City, which is just about as about as D and D fan as you as I think you can really get. You know. Like, I don't think we should be overly surprised. Like, think of, of musicals we've had in the past. Shrek the Musical. Shrek the Musical. Shrek did weird things to the universe. Yeah. Um, um, Rogers. Rogers. <laughs> that's the one I was trying to think of. I was like, I, I can't. Fi- that's fictional. It's not it's real. fictional. Well, they do have one number. They There's do. one produced number from Rogers the Musical. They do. Anyway. Here There Be Dragons, a new musical quest, is going to open off-Broadway in June, but they are already discussing options of moving it on to Broadway eventually. It was made with a quarter million dollars. Uh, Chase O'Neill, he wrote the book lyrics for the musical, uh, and he's been uh, a New York City-based playwright. He's 28 years old, been playing D&D since he was in college. And he wants to, quote, bring the game's fantasy to life, end quote. And he also wants to make it about the D&D community itself. Quote, the musical is more about the players who played it. End quote. It's not being licensed through Hasbro. (laughs) Officials of the toy company did not respond to comment. And, yeah, that's... It's something. It is... it, It looks like... It looks like it'll be something. That's for sure. I... Definitely going to be an interesting take, focusing on the story of the people who play it instead of the story that they're playing. Um, we've seen, you know, we've we've talked about on this podcast a, a number of shows that are going to be focusing on uh, uh, stories of D and D that are coming around here soon. But to have one that focuses on the players and possibly the struggles of the community, and by somebody who's our age, yeah, that's that's cool. It makes me feel a lot less successful as an individual. Oh, yeah. By comparison. Don't, yeah, don't get me wrong. Which is great. Which is a great feeling. Um, and one last, one last note here. There is precedent for board game-themed musicals to have success with Clue, the musical, Clue? based on the game of the same name. It had a short off-Broadway run in 1997 went on to find life in community theaters and elsewhere, as well as a film adaptation. Yeah, Don, Don Faison yeah. was in that one. Yeah. Had, uh, had three different endings that released in different parts of the United States at the same time, which is just so cruel. That's I love amazing. it. You, you, you can never pull something like that off ever again. No, not in the modern day. No, unfortunately, there's... I would, oh, I would absolutely love if someone did that. Where like every country it was released in, the last like fifteen minutes was different. You found out who the murderer was, but it was different every time. Every time, every time, every time you see it, they just make thirty versions of the ending. <laughs> and every time you walk into a theater, one's just picked. 
they they just push a random button and get that one. You know, that's hilarious. I would love that. I, that that oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine like a crazy like Marvel multiverse movie and the ending's just different? There's like five different endings. I think that would that would be. I, I like that idea, and it would have been so cool like ten years ago. Yeah. Because but now it's there. I mean, we watch so many videos on breakdowns of movies and of yeah. the trailers and everything, and be like, you know, immediately new rock stars would be like, here's the ending. Well, hold up. What we know that most people don't know. Yeah, and then, like, oh, that'd be that'd be so cool though. That'd be really cool. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Uh, do we have any comments on the TikTok live pertaining to the news items? Captain Bit Raven Claw J says hi. Hello. Love Bit Raven. Hi. Um, Zachary Radar says always thought of Dungeons and th- always thought Dungeons and Dragons was fun, but never had anyone to play with or. Who or, or know what to do. Hey, get in our Discord, hit up the looking for group chat, and then just don't leave it be alone. Like, actually recruit people. Find some people. Yeah. Watch Reply to some things. It'd be a good time. Um, that will wait till the end. Uh, Dustin Blunt says hello. Hello, Dustin Blunt. Wait. I don't know what a blunt is. Uh, it's, uh, it's an object that uh, deals uh, bludgeoning damage. Um... All right, Dustin's questions will wait till the end, I think. Uh, those are good. some good wrap-up questions. Oh, looks like uh, we're good to move on. Okay. This will begin the spoiler cast portion. If you have not yet seen The Legend of Vox Machina and you do not want to be spoiled on it, I don't know what you're doing listening to this podcast that is labeled a Legend of Vox Machina spoiler cast, but... Are you going to put like graphics up on the screen that say, Spoiler, warning, warning for the YouTube video? No, I'm not. Oh. Be sad about it. I will. Legend of Vox Machina is on Amazon Prime. They released three episodes a week over three weeks to help hit their go- hit their uh, what is it their 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 promises from the yes. Kickstarter of being able to watch it for free. Mm-hmm. You can get a free trial on Amazon Prime. Uh, sign up for an account. You just have to cancel it at the end of the month. You'll be able to watch it all, binge it all right now. And uh, I feel like this show is kind of divided into. Two sections, maybe two and a half sections. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first three episodes, obviously, you're establishing the characters. They have a little run-in with a the dragon. They set up some sort of interactions, the personality of all the characters. We watched the first two episodes a little early because Samuel was a Kickstarter. A Kickstarter backer. It's a Kickstarter backer. So the, um, the first three episodes actually are even pre-stream for Campaign 1 of Critical Role. Um, and it's talked about, and they talk about it a lot. But uh, at that, but it's very interesting because originally the the uh, Kickstarter was just for those three episodes, mm-hmm. and uh, so we were expecting just a, a three episode run of this animated series. But uh, they've had one of the most successful Kickstarters in history, if not the most I'm, successful. I'm pretty sure it is the or like top three. Yeah. I don't know if any. I think at the time they finished the Kickstarter, it was the most successful. I don't know if anything else is overcome that sense but i don't know we but, didn't uh, that up and we're not going to we're not going to but uh they they're they're a bunch of fucking morons a lot of them this is not a children's show as no, well they make the very clear right from the beginning very first episode like they start off with like a gory bar fight where people's hands are getting chopped off people are swearing Cut to Scanlan Shorthalt, Shorthalt having sex, and you get to see like his gnome testicles, and it's 
it's a lot <laughs> yeah it's a lot right out of the gate uh they get hired to deal with uh some some towns that have been getting destroyed turns out it's a dragon turns out the dragon is actually polymorphing into one of the members of the Taldori council and then they have to expose them mm-hmm. and kill them which they successfully do bunch of fucking idiots i don't know how they did that <laughs> I mean, they they definitely they make that emphasis of showing like, look, here's how they first come together to be a a group. Yeah, Uh yeah. They they obviously they show the the core pairings and core groups uh, with Vax and Veth and Vax. Jesus Christ, (laughs) with Vax and Vex, the brother and sister duo, Grog and Pike being like the best buds. Percy kind of doing his own thing, Scanlan doing his own thing, Keyleth doing her own thing. It, it def- those first three episodes definitely feel like they have a different vibe than the other six that yeah. follow, which makes sense. They, orig- they The first three episodes are the ones they originally had a plan for when they launched the Kickstarter, when they got the idea, they started writing, they started doing it all. They They made it flow well enough. Yeah, there was... I mean, they were... Compared to the next six episodes, they were fitting a lot into three episodes. Yeah. But that being, like we said, the contrast of that, of the first three to the next, to the later part of the season, I think uh, really, really uh, worked well for what they were trying to convey of mm-hmm. the, the mismatch group into the con- the co- more cohesive group, yeah. even if that was unintentional. Yeah. Um, then we get into sort of the second the second arc, which follow, which is just a general recap of the Briarwood arc from campaign one um the first three episodes or maybe the first or i guess episode four five and six are more of them f- discovering the briar woods at a gala uh with the taldori council that's when you get a little bit of hint at percy's disdain for them uh vax sneaking up to get them the snake belt snake belt snake belt uh, and then a little scuffle in the courtyard they get imp- they get imprisoned <laughs> in their Keep. their keep their free keep that they were given mm-hmm. for their deeds to the to the realm uh end up fighting some more undead break out pike has a crisis of faith has to go to her temple which you would not see on stream because that was just the excuse for ashley johnson to not be there to go and film blindside yeah i was i was gonna i was gonna say more like not be cool but that i mean Film Blindside, I guess. I mean, how uncool of her to go be a, a famous actress Look, in a popular TV show. Why would you do that when you could just play D&D with your friends online? I mean, I feel like the answer's pretty easy there. Well. Anyway, you don't see that part on, on stream because it's happening all off screen and it's just an excuse for Ashley Johnson to leave. Um, and they kind of poke fun at that idea a little bit mm-hmm. uh, throughout the series. That, that that's kind of like the half arc because you have the beginning arc that's the dragon and the the group coming together and then the last three episodes are clearly like proper briarwood whitestone arc but like that four five and six is just kind of like in a weird transitionary limbo sort of thing yeah. obviously trying to branch this one story to this other story that in the campaign happened a fairly good distance apart i mean you're you're talking like 20 30 episodes before yeah. you get to the briarwood arc I think I think this is where the show had its biggest lull. There was a lot of annoying things to me where they start like 
the idea of like Pike and Keyleth kind of being like the the uh, the the if you if you if you'll indulge me the Deus Ex Machina hmm. of Vox Machina, um, and then later there's some things of like mind control and all all the th- all of the quirks that make combat annoying in both D D as well as i would say in fiction the yeah. idea of like oh like we would normally wipe the floor with this guy but you choose to take grog and turn him into <laughs> getting a little ahead of myself but you are but what do you think um yeah I, I i tend to agree is that this this section overall the show is done very well and uh we always have and you know just as a review we have to pick a low part and a high part and i definitely agree that this is the low part um where they they do some cool things in these episodes. They have some some uh, cool character development. They have a little bit like the fight scene. One of the fight scenes is very cool. The shadow fight scene. It's very cool. Where they can't, you know, they can't. Uh, they can't hit it. They, they can't, can't hit it until. Yeah. And they're also trying to use that. They don't have their weapons right out of the gate. They're trying to get the guards on their side, sort mm-hmm. of a thing, because they're up for in trial for killing someone. <laughs> Which and, yeah, well they did, they, but. Yeah. It was a bright. It was a bright word guy. It's fine. Um, but I think this is really uh, this this kind of arc or this mini arc. These some of these fights are really where it emphasizes that even though this is a D and D idea, like this is a D and D based show, um, they're not strictly adhering to the um, rules of D and D to Absolutely. write this car- this cartoon. Yeah, which I think. Um, you are, you are, now. With that being said, you are still going to get your decidedly D and D moments. Your big build up to episode three of Grog saying, "I would like to rage," mm-hmm. for example, Scanlan's hand. Your blind. Your your your. Uh, what is it? The silence spell yeah, the later silence on spell. with Delilah, and it's all it's all great. Yeah, you you, there, you see the D and D influence there for sure, and they they hint at. Without really explicitly saying anything, they hinted a lot of like esoteric D and D things with like Vex having her um, her was it favorite enemy her primordial aware yeah primordial awareness primal awareness her 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 tie her tie to dragons uh, and she can kind of sense when the dragon is appearing at the very beginning of the show and then at the very very end of the show the sort of cliffhanger that they leave you on in season one um, she can. She gets the headache and the sense that the dragons are approaching again for when the Chroma Conclave attack uh, Iman, mm-hmm. which would be a very cool season two. Season two, if they, get, if they get to that. But yeah, during so during the shadow fight, um, I feel like I was saying I think this is really kind of where they emphasize that this is not necessarily straight up D and D, and it a little bit. I don't know if you noticed you said it because I don't talk a lot when I'm watching a movie. I just watch the movie. Uh, Connor talks a lot. I talk. I talk constantly. Yes. Um, I, ha- I have to be communicating about the cool shit that's happening. Yeah. Um, it was very. People were looking at look at us when we go to theaters, especially like during Spider Man. I lost my shit at Spider Man. I'm not, not going to apologize for that either. <laughs> the dude next to me was like, like when you lost your shit, he was like, oh yeah. And then he looked over at you and starts like, he was getting, he was laughing at you losing your shit. I'm okay with that. Funny. I. I could not care less. I have fun doing it. Afraid you were going to break the seat you were bouncing up and down in. Dude. <laughs> this isn't a spoiler cast for Spider-Man No Way Home. Go see that. But, spoiler alert. Fucking Tobes Maguire come, like, just kind of like casually being like, Hey. Hey, I'm in this movie. Hey. What's up? 
like the long shot of Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, and you can tell from the long shot because the eyes are different. Like, that's not Tom Holland. That's weird. That's different. And then he jumps through the portal, and it's like, that's a different Spider-Man. What's going on? And then he rips the thing off, and it's like, yes. That's, that's the end. But yeah, so, uh, oh, it's such a good movie. We need to watch that movie again. Uh, I've watched it twice, I think. We should, we should watch it. But not do the annoying thing where people are just like recording, like shooting the the movie on their phone on TikTok Live, and like clearly doing illegal things by just showing the movie. <laughs> but we should point we should point the phone at us while we watch it. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, we could do that. That'd be fun. Well, well, something besides D and D to talk about. Yeah. Anyway, um, sorry. What did I what did I say about the ghost fight? Um, <laughs> but the... I think you literally just said that's not how that works. Yeah. Or something like that. And you know, it was a whole build up to like Keyleth, uh, you know, Keyleth, Keyleth is having a, a crisis of, of of identity and being like I can't be who I am. I can't cast spells because I'm so nervous about who I am. Mm-hmm. And this is a point where she has to overcome that and that's the whole point of the the kind of the episode. Yeah. Um but yeah, you said, that's not how that works. I'm like, okay. That that really exemplifies, like, yeah, they're not just doing, they're not exactly. just going to say, all right, well, uh, this person, you know, they hit with the attack, so they take half damage as a shadow or whatever. Yeah, you know? they just are immune to everything. Yeah. Which is, which, cinematically, it's a lot more impactful, and it, it, they can craft the story arcs more precisely for all these different characters. Mm. They kind of create like a little kin. Like they kind of they don't explicitly say it, but uh, Cassandra and Vax they kind of have like similar paths of brainwashing, being brainwashed, and having to fight the people they love against their will, and having to fight out of that, and how their familial bonds kind of overcome that and help them get through that process. Um, they can hone in more on Keyleth and her crisis of ability and personal nervousness, and that kind of. That kind of gets paid off at the very end when she ends up casting the daylight spell that gets rid of Silas, uh, and, and she has little steps along the way of the fighting the the ghosts and the specters, and then finding the sun tree in the basement and having that link begin, uh, and and even with Pike, which is it's really cool to see the things that are happening off stream mm-hmm. or the things that are happening in Matt's brain, the. Delilah and Silas backstory section that little that scene of Silas getting sick and dying and then her at her bed at his bedside and finding this book of vile darkness and and doing the blood magic and casting the spell and that first li- like it it puts into perspective a lot the Briarwood's motivations and it, it makes Delilah specifically I would say Delilah, a lot more of an interesting character than she is in Campaign 1, who's just kind of like the recurring villain, Mm -hmm. the bad guy that keeps popping up when you knock her down. And she has motivations, and and Matt hints at those motivations, but to actually like see it play out from her perspective through her eyes is something that you can't really experience in D&D, and that you can only get in a show or a movie or an animated product like this. There's definitely... Interesting, I, you know, heard, uh, read online and, and heard of different ways that people have tried to implement things like that in their campaigns. Where it's like, oh, we're you know maybe do a do a session where all the characters roll up evil NP or evil PCs, and we do a little bit of the the main the villain's backstory or things like mm-hmm. that. But um, 
but yeah, for I would say that, and it's not necessarily weakness of D and D because D and D is a game and not, yeah. and it's a storytelling game, not a book writing it's, session. Yeah, it's a it's a device more than anything else. Yeah. Um, and as a dungeon master, like you come up with your backstory in your head, and whether or not that comes out at the table or it's ever important is neither here nor there. And you know, I'm sure Matt had this backstory for Delilah the whole time. <laughs> And all of the details of that interaction and the bedside death and the finding the Book of Vile Darkness and being called to it and manipulated and all that. Um, but a lot of that didn't come out at the table, and it had no reason to. Right. She was just a bad guy. Yeah. And in, in, in the Vox Machina campaign one, a lot of that campaign is, all right, we're the good guys, they're the bad guys. Good guys kill the bad guys, even though we're kind of bad, but it's fine. Yeah. They're classic adventurers. Classic adventurers. Um, and there's no need to make it sympathetic, but with with animation and TV and movies having I, I don't like the trend of everything being a sympathetic villain or a sympathetic antagonist and Delilah is certainly not sympathetic Like she, what she's doing is decidedly evil and decidedly mm-hmm. selfish but you understand why she wants to behave that way Yeah, and you get a really good look at her motivation because most of campaign one it's like Ah, uh, we just we just wanted Whitestone, and we're trying to bring back uh, uh, an old god. It's fine. We're just bad. Let's talk about Percy. Let's talk about Percy. No we, Percy, Percy. We don't we don't talk about Bruno, but we will talk about Percy. Yes, decidedly so. And no mercy, Percy is. It's one thing to have it described on stream, and for a player to be making decisions that are gruesome and just being verbally described. But to witness some of the shit that that he does is they they do not shy away. No, it is very gnarly. Yeah, um, and you can see things visually that hint at what's going on in per- with Percy and what's going on with the demon inside of Animus that's manipulating him. That you again, we're not going to really see on on stream or in a campaign or it's not going to stand out and become as prominent Mm -hmm. as you would think like um when uh, it's the second to last episode and they're making their way to the ziggurat that's underground to have their final confrontation with delilah and cyrus and cassandra traps them in the acid pit room and animus one of the names changes to cassandra on it Mm -hmm. and that I feel like that's one of the hints where it's like okay because throughout the show they kind of obviously if you watch the campaign one you you get what's going on yeah. but the show sets it up as okay he has so much anger and hate and vengeance in his heart that he put all of that malice into the gun that he created and literally marked the names that he wants to kill uh, the doctor the teacher the the the, the Briarwood mm-hmm. everyone. But watching his sister's name appear on it, I think, is the first hint to the audience, as well as him. I mean, obviously, you get the smoke, and they're, they're kind of overt with it. But it's the first real hint to that it's, there's an outside entity influencing this. Because at no point would Percy want to kill Cassandra. Mm-hmm. Even if she was outwardly helping the Briarwoods throughout and didn't, and what, didn't look like she was on their side. Because that was his sister, and he would have assumed that she was being manipulated and that he could bring her back and all mm-hmm. that. And then later, when the demon takes over, and he's starting to fight Vox Machina, but thinking that they are all of these evil people from his past. Which is a great sequence, by the way. Yeah. Um, 
and then all of the members of Vox Machina show up on his gun. Uh, those little visual details that you can't really easily get in D&D, I think. And it's where a lot of the strengths of the show lie. They, they definitely take advantage of the medium and pull... They pull a lot of their influence from their campaign, mm-hmm. but they're not beholden to it. Yeah. And they can explore a bit more of the storytelling that they weren't able to get to with just playing D&D. Sure. D&D does not lend itself well to subtext. Not at all. No, because, you know, like you said... I mean, obviously, when we're you know, between role playing, there is some ability to transfer subtext, but not. No, we're not. We're people who play D anD D are not necessarily actors of of the highest regard. Sometimes mm-hmm. they are. In the case of the in bunch case of, of uh, professional voice actors, yeah, in some cases, sit around and play Dungeons and Dragons. But uh, the yeah, so the ability to show and not tell, yeah, or to use voice inflection or to get two or three tries to get what you're trying to say across how you wanted to get it across again not a weakness of D, just not necessarily what it's for and i think not its strength yeah for not sure. its strength and if we want to if we want to make a social commentary i think a lot of the not so much, i don't think in 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 recent like months years we've moved away from it but there used to be the whole uh, internet talking about the effects the matt mercer effect just constantly <sighs> I hate that. And and I think it just comes down to that mis, misalignment of expectations between yeah. old players, new players, players who have never played, players who have watched uh, uh, Critical Role, and things like that. Um, They're very, I, I think you, we've moved away from it a little. I mean, there's always going to be a misalignment went there yeah. in some regard, but I think that the community has done very well to move away from that idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're always you. You will always be able to find a game that's like Critical Role, mm-hmm. with like all the theater kids, or and like you'll find that group. Mm-hmm. And if that's the kind of game that you want to play in, then you need to let that be known and, and seek that out. Uh, the Matt Mercer effect is not the Matt Mercer effect. It's the uh, <laughs> the inability to discuss what they want effect yeah. from players. Uh, Matt Mercer didn't has not done anything wrong. He's a very good. He's a very good DM. He's a very good voice actor, and he's, he's good at what he does. And Critical Role is successful for a reason, and I think that is due in large part to Matt. Yes, but back to the legend of Vox Machina. Back to the legend of Vox Machina. After this commercial break, we don't have commercials. Oh, oh, shoot! Okay. This one, this one's not sponsored. This one's not sponsored. We have the ability to insert ads on the audio version, but I don't do that because I don't. I don't like. I don't like just a company being like, "Yeah, we'll put ads on your thing for you." I'm like, I want to pick the ads. I want to. I want to make the ads myself. If we're gonna, if we're gonna do ads, if we're gonna sell out. Like I want to sell out. I don't want to be sold out by when, uh, our podcast hosting service. When we get ready to drop the blood pack, do you wanna do you wanna insert an ad for the blood pack where we just go really weird with it? One hundred percent. Right. Like our own little commercial, yeah. and then and then like between segments, it'll just like we'll do the whole bit. We'll do the whole bit. I I'm love into it. it. I'm into it. All right. Cool. Dodi, make note of that. Oh, 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 Dodie's over here. That's right, he ran out of battery in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah, sometimes Dodie doesn't get back to the treasure. That's okay. No Mercy Percy is devoid of mercy, as, as some might say. Uh, I think the second half of the, of the show does suffer a little bit from Percy is the main character syndrome. Which Vox Machina has never been, I mean, in D&D in general, has never been a 
here's the main character, here's the supporting cast. Yeah. Which is which is a tough balancing act that they have to deal with. And I feel like a lot of char- all the characters have some arc to them. Uh, Vax stepping out of uh, his comfort zone with his relationship with Vax and blatantly admitting that he loves Keyleth. Mm-hmm. Keyleth having to take on, uh, believe in herself and take on some responsibility while Pike is gone. Va- uh, Vex having to learn to let her brother go a little bit. And they kind of make that a little bit overt with the, with the, uh, the brainwashing that, Ve- that yeah. Vax gets. Um, Grog's Grog. He's Grog. <laughs> Scanlan uh, coming into his own. He kind of gets shit talked and doesn't do a whole lot, honestly, for a, a large chunk of the show. And he, he gets an opportunity where he has to go to one of the manors in Whitestone and make a distraction by setting the place on fire. Mm-hmm. And he kind of stumbles his way through it. He kind of jack sparrows it a little bit. But it's the worst he. I've ever heard of. Yeah. But you have heard of him. But, you know, he gets his usual Scanlan's hand, he does the lightning bolt from the dick, and he succeeds on the mission despite all of the naysaying from Vox Machina. Uh, Percy obviously has the biggest mm-hmm. character arc. Um, it's his entire it's his entire main story from campaign one. Yeah. And even Pike. Even Pike gets an arc in uh, a part of the story that's being told where she is not really a participant yeah. in the campaign. Yeah, I think... Um... The crisis of, th- of faith is always... I, I like that. And I like how they chose to resolve that crisis mm-hmm. of faith. That it's not the god... It's not um, Saren Ray punishing Pike but Pike having a crisis within herself that has severed the connection and her having to accept what life she wants and still be a part of the faith as well. Which, by the way, they don't mention Saren Ray. No. They they mention, was the it? The Everlight. The Everlight. And they don't mention Vecna. They mention the Whispered One mm-hmm. because D&D. Scanlan's hand. It's not, it's not Bigby's hand. Scanlan's hand. It's Scanlan's hand. They never. They also never. Uh, this is a reference to another media. They never call the keep what they called it in the campaign, because it's the keep is Grayskull Keep, named after He Man. Yeah, Grayskull <laughs> Castle. Um, yeah. Uh, this. I mean, I I, I think that uh, the idea that Percy is the main character is you could interpret it that way and i'm i'm sure there are people out there who are there's going to be a lot of people that have never heard of critical role before this that i think will have that misconception which yeah i get it i think you like you're saying they did pretty good to also pull in different directions to try to uh, shy away from that but i mean the fact of the matter is that the briarwood arc was percy's mm-hmm. personal backstory arc you know, in, in this next season, I think we'll see we'll probably see the Grog backstory arc since we saw that since that's happened during the Chroma Conclave uh, uh, storyline. Obviously, Scanlan will get his as well. Yeah. Which uh, a Scanlan, I think they're kind of setting up Scanlan in this first season to have that fuck you guys. You've always talked shit. You've never believed in me. You've never given me credit. You know nothing about me. What's my mom's name? Mm-hmm. Moment. Yeah. And I think that'll... I, I, how they choose to build up to something like that would be very interesting. Yeah. But then also outside of the 
outside of just the show. Like there, it, it's it's not it's not often I think that uh, we see the way that this is going, where it started with the D and you know the, the start with the D and D campaign, and uh, while you can ignore everything else, I, Marvel's going in the opposite direction. Where Marvel, you could just watch the movies. Now Marvel, if you want to understand things, you're going to have to watch the shows and the movies. Yeah, but uh, um, with I definitely think that Spider-Man is going to be the last one that you can watch by itself. Yeah. Like, once you get into Multiverse of Madness and going forward, you're really going to have to watch the shows. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, Wanda's in it. Wanda's and, in it, and uh, they, mentioned the, they mentioned things that happen in WandaVision. They're, they're very impactful and important. Yeah. And somebody, uh, I saw a TikTok the other day that, again, just side note, I saw a TikTok the other day where somebody, where a Marvel fan content creator was having was replying to a comment where he he named Sam Wilson like he was listing characters and he and Sam Wilson popped up and he's like oh Captain America and then he got a, a line of comments that were berating him for calling him Captain America it's like did did you watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier because he's Captain America now yeah <laughs> like that's just what he is that that's just what he is anyway but uh, we've talked about how. Not on this podcast. You and I have talked about how, oh, uh, Vex and Vex never really get a character resolution arc in the show. Because mm-hmm. theirs is just, theirs is more of an RP thing based around their father. It happens a little bit before. But they have their own book. They have Keth and Ken. They have Keth and Ken, yeah. Keth and Ken. Um, and they're a lot of, I feel like the best parts of Vax and, Vex, and Vex's story are the interactions with the other members of Vox Machina and how their relationships grow. Um uh, Vax and Keyleth and Percy and Vex. Mm-hmm. We got way sidetracked there. <sighs> Look, sometimes sometimes you get into a sidebar that goes into a sidebar that goes into a sidebar, and then to get back to the original, you have to go back through the previous sidebars, like trace your way back, sort of thing. And it, it, it's really hard to jump just right back. That's you know? right. So we're getting to the end of the end of the we the end of the run here. We've yep. got. Uh... Uh, Pike makes a return. Oh my gosh, the Whitestone Zombie Apocalypse. Yes, oh, which is awesome. That's cool. That's a cool. <laughs> that's really cool. Um, that's what Pike makes her illustrious return when the people of Whitestone rally with uh, Percy to fight off the zombies at the Sun Tree. Um, they poke fun a little bit at astral projection and how she's kind of like eh, Ashley made it back for the cool parts. Yeah, and she's gonna go again, <laughs> which I'm totally cool with. And they they make a point to keep bringing up like oh you know it takes a lot of a lot out of me to bring out here and they're like oh yeah Pike's here for the that fight and then Pike's here for them walking to the ziggurat and the and the acid pit trap and the and the fight against Silas and um, the fight against Silas and Delilah and Pike even kind of encourages Keyleth to come into her own to cast the daylight spell that kills Silas. And it's kind of one of those, like, oh, yeah, they're just, like, poking fun, but, like, Pike's just here, and mm-hmm. that's okay. And then that the culmination of that with Keyleth supposedly dying and Pike going to save her, and then that's the moment that the connection is severed, and they're all stuck there, like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, obviously, Keyleth's not going to die in season one of The Legend of Vox Machina, but it, it still gives you that sinking, like, Oh fuck! What are they gonna do now? And all of that happening while Percy's going mad. Yeah, is is 
that's one of, I think the highlight obviously there's a reason that's the last major encounter they have but they put there's a lot of effort put into all the dynamics that led into that oh yeah so good yeah that, I think uh, that episode that even that even uh, that, that encounter right there even lends to something that happens in real time years down the line mm-hmm. where Vex takes Vax God <laughs> Vax, Vax, Vox. We need a Vux and a Vix. Kith and Kin. Kith and Kin and fucking... There's so many. I get it. Anyway, but where Vax... At the end of the campaign, the very last level up takes one level in Druid. Mm-hmm. Shows him using Druidic, Druidic Matt. Yeah. And and to save Keyleth, he remembers uh, some healing that she did on Cassandra several episodes prior. Yeah. And it, it ends up working. Yeah. Shockingly. Even though... Didn't they have a health potion and then it like didn't work or something? It didn't work because they were too close to the oh, anti magic orb. orb. Yeah, which I'm sure nothing's wrong. Like the, I'm just, I'm sure it's safe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they yeah. sent they sent some people to deal with it. Yeah. It's fine. It's probably fine. Yeah. Uh, Delilah dies for the first time. Yeah. For the first time. <laughs> I was gonna say he said when that happened, you're like, well, that's not canon. I'm like, oh, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. When when you're dealing with undeath, things get. Yeah, it gets a weird things become like a weird soup it's kind it's like that soup. it is one of my favorite bits of the whole thing of like Percy we should really get rid of that gun he's like oh no it's fine I killed the demon it's totally fine and then <laughs> and then Scanlan chucking it in the acid anyway and then the demon going Aah! he's like oh fair enough <laughs> that, that was one of my that was one of my favorite bits of the whole thing that was a good I did enjoy that bit <laughs> And uh, getting back to the getting back to Iman and and declaring the reclamation of Whitestone and what's his face Taldori I never remember his first name. Um, now I'm blanking on the anyway the king the king of Taldori disbanding the the monarchy and ceding control of Taldori to the Taldori Council and Vox Machina given a place of prominence amongst that organization immediately before a horde of dragons start flying to Iman and uh, clearly setting up a, another cool arc of the fight against the Chroma Conclave. I, I'm, I'm very excited. I hope they take multiple episodes. Like, if they do another 12-episode run for season two, I would, be, I would be totally happy if they took three, four episodes on just the assault of Iman and just, like, milk that and take their time and make it dark and sad and mm-hmm. give that all the detail and attention that it deserves. Because, uh, yeah, Chroma, the, the Chroma Conclave is quite... Like, that That seems like a multi-season conflict to resolve. Because yeah, there's it, just so could, many moving parts to it. It could definitely be. Uh, if we're making... If we're going to slip into the prediction hour here... Might as well. We need a prediction hour graphic now. No. Um, no, we know. Yes, we do. Get Andy on that. Um, I'm not. Okay. Anyway, uh, so my prediction is, unfortunately, I think that they're going... Well, not unfortunately, but uh, I, th- I think what you're saying is could be cool, but I'm guessing that they'll take two episodes for the the decimation of Amon, and then do... Probably, there's four, there's four dragons. I'm guessing that they'll probably do um, two to three arcs for every... Or three episode arcs mm-hmm. for the white, black, and red um, dragons with the green dragon um, arcing throughout as she yeah. does in the campaign um, with probably the last episode being uh, the fighting the uh, or uh, 
all the Scanlan stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's my prediction. I would love them to like really stretch this out because the Chroma Conclave can be the overarching conflict for like the, this could be a motivating drive for seasons just because they they could really take advantage like milk Iman, the Amon disaster and and really milk that green dragon thread throughout and giving each dragon like their arc to shine and then you could fit in a lot of really really cool things like the grog backstory mm-hmm. and craven edge which Grog. Grog gets some Craven Edge started up after yeah. defeating Silas, which is pretty cool. Gets some gets some Aramenti action a yeah. little bit, and I wouldn't even mind if they did like a little bit of rearranging and have Scanlan's kind of crisis of purpose and crisis of respect in the midst of the Chroma Conclave problem being like, fuck you guys. I have helped you. I have fought dragons with you. I have defeated the Briarwoods for you. I've done all of this stuff and we have more and more stuff ahead of us and you're choosing and you are still don't give me the respect I deserve. And I wouldn't even mind if they kind of changed up the timeline a little bit make, there's a lot of cool things that happen in campaign one. And if they want to get to a lot of those cool moments, changing up the order of operations a little bit and being like it makes it makes the story more impactful if Scanlan is like in the midst of this mission with them and has been just driven to his breaking point mm-hmm. and then makes his return for or like proves himself as because like they don't trust him when he comes back right and make that a problem when he does and like the final confrontation with the dragon have that be his like proving ground moment of like I'm back I'm here to stay sort of a thing this is all speculation. That would also, uh, if, if they did that, that could also they would also bring, uh, be able to bring in Terry and Darrington. Terry. Um, Terry. And, of course, the illustrious Doty. Oh. Uh, but, of course... Uh, a wonderful vacuum cleaner. As of now, Vox Machina is only confirmed for a second season, which was confirmed when Amazon picked up The Legend of Vox Machina after the Kickstarter. Yeah. Which, uh, with the... I would argue with the success of this season, I bet I bet it's doing great numbers, especially for Amazon Prime Video. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of, like, Amazon-exclusive products that I think are going to do as well as The Legend of Vox Machina will. Uh, it's getting a good push. I've seen, like, regular advertising for it, yeah. not just, like, nerd advertising for it. Um, the quality of it is fantastic. The, and we haven't really talked much about the, like... The logistics of the series, but like the sound design is great. Oh, yeah. The animation is so so good. Um, I think the fr- I think maybe the first couple episodes are a little bit lesser, but the- I think that's just because like they were already kind of working on it when the Kickstarter was doing its thing and didn't realize what they had on their hands, and that's when they went all hands on deck. Really, um, the pacing of the show. It we've we've been. Uh, I've been I've been getting Sam to watch Attack on Titan, and I've been rewatching the first season. I'm not caught up on Attack on Titan, yeah. But the pacing between Attack on Titan, which is a phenomenal anime, yes, and the pacing of The Legend of Vox Machina, it's like it's like you're getting whiplash with Vox Machina. Like it's just go 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 go, and I love that. Yes, especially in a time where attention spans for viewers are getting a lot shorter, which you can like or dislike. Um, people have shit going on, yeah, and demanding an eighty episode commitment out of them to progress like a little bit of story 
can get really annoying. And a lot of your classic anime, Naruto, One Piece, DBZ. Definitely rely on that fact that they're dropping one episode every week. Yeah. And they can they can get away with, okay, the first like eh, third of the episode is recap from last week. And then yeah. they're going to have a flashback yeah. to 80 episodes ago. And then they're going to talk. But yeah, we were like like you were saying the we watched we finished Fox Machina at we we do it on my lunch break. We finished the episode of Fox Machina. We're like, all right, we got we got another twenty minutes. Let's watch an episode of Attack on Titan. And it's just like, oh, it like grinds to a halt. It's just it's just two different characters being like, I can't believe in myself. I have to believe in myself. Yeah. And 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 Attack on Titan gets better. It does. Like the pace picks up. Yeah. It well, it's been you know. The first episodes came out for the anime in 2013, I believe, and there wasn't a whole lot of manga at the time of it. Yeah, and uh, and of course, even 2013 streaming services were only just starting to get a yeah. foothold. Whereas 2022, uh, we're games still we're ch- surprised that cable TV exists. Yeah, and, Cab- uh, the, yeah, the the games changed. Let's wrap up our discussion. Here. Yeah, let's, you- let's wrap up our discussion. I'm excited for season two. Me too. Um, I'm not going to score the show because I think it's it's a good show. It's you worth also watching. Not write music. Well, I hope you're proud of yourself. <laughs> I hope you're proud of yourself. I am. <sighs> you're not going to rate the show. I'm not going to rate it. That's fine. I'm not going to rate it. I'm not going to rate it either. I, I don't like I don't like review scores. If you really, if you really care about what we think about the fucking show, you would have listened to this, and you'd probably know that we like it a lot. Yeah, and are excited for a second season. As we say on most things, go watch it. Yeah, enjoy it. It's not a lot of commitment. It's only twelve episodes, twenty minute episodes. It's very judicious. It keeps things moving. Maybe don't watch it with the kids. Yeah. Maybe maybe, wa- maybe watch it with the teenagers at your discretion. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't watch it with your religious mother. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no. I don't think the Mormons are going to like this show very much. I mean, if you're Mormon and you like this show, let us know. Oh, please do. Please do. Hop into our Discord. Nothing wrong with Mormons. Mormons are exceptionally kind people. Yes. Exceptionally kind and accepting people. Knew a couple of them, actually, in my hometown. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. But yeah, if you're you're Mormon and you enjoyed The Legend of Vox Machina, hop into our Discord and uh, tell us what you liked about it. Yeah. Um, Or or go go see the D&D musical because you also have the, the Book of Mormon. I've never actually seen that, but I enjoy the music. I've, I've heard it's fine. I've heard it's hilarious. That, that too. <laughs> <laughs> also one you should not watch with the children. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I've never seen it, so... Anyway, uh, also if you're not a Mormon and enjoyed The Legend of Vox Machina, <laughs> hop into our Discord and tell us about it. Oh, man. So much division in the world, and we're still like, yeah. If you're Mormon, you can come on. <laughs> then if you're not Mormon, also come. It's like what? Okay, we got some questions in the chat. Oh, yes. We got some questions in the chat. We got some questions. We we record every podcast live on TikTok. We get some questions from the audience. Another great way is to ask us questions in the Discord server. No one ever fucking does that. No. So, so do that. Yeah, if you want your question read, put it on the Discord Guaranteed, server. Guaranteed to be read on the Discord because no one's done it yet. Yeah. Guaranteed. Right. So first up from Big Jim and the Twins 2. Oh boy. Uh, Big Jim asks, what is our favorite D&D accessory is? And he uh, follows it up with a comment that says, must have D&D accessories, heart. Uh, we have a number of D&D accessories. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a controversial one here. 
Okay. Tape measure. Oh, that's. I don't think it's controversial. That's not a. D, it's not D and D accessory, but it is exceptionally useful. And we use it all the time. We D&D. use it every game. Oh yeah. The the tape measure is a a must have at an arm's reach. It's great for measuring spell distances, the long range on weapon movement. Yeah. It 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 really streamlines the whole having to count like five, ten, fifteen, twenty. You can just whoop. You know, a thirty foot movement is six inches. You pull it out, and you're like, all right, you can get to there. It's very useful. Yeah, we didn't use one for a long time, and then like I randomly started watching Warhammer videos. Yeah, and Warhammer like they they use they use the same idea. They don't but have they grids. Just, they don't have grids. They just use a tape measure. I was like. We have a tape measure. Yeah. And so now it lives in our and lives in our D and D. Yeah, we have like a nice little IKEA rolly cart that we can roll up next to yourself while you're DMing. It's got a bunch it's got a bunch of stuff. There's a... Ooh, I'm just gonna list off a couple of like yeah, cheap little except like these aren't D and D specific things, but they make D and D so much easier. You've got the tape measure, mm-hmm. you've got the back scratcher. Back the back scratcher with like the little ex- the the telescoping pole. Because you can, if you're a DM, you can easily use that to move minis around the battle mat without having to like fully like reach across the table. Uh, as well as if you drink soda from plastic bottles, or milk. you can get or milk or any anything out of a plastic bottle, a two liter, a smaller one, milk carton, anything. Uh, they have like the when you crack it for the first time, there's the cap and then there's a little ring that like keeps it sealed. Mm-hmm. When and that little ring, if you can pry it off. You get you can get red ones and green like a whole bunch of different colors, and then you can mark them for concentration spells, for like hex, for hunter's mark, for, for effects, status effects. Yeah. Very very useful. Love that. And uh, we also have just like some thin plastic that we've cut into rings for like, and we put it at various sizes for like. There's a 15 foot ring that I use for spirit guardians, and there's like a 30 foot ring and a 20 foot ring, and then we just kind of used a sharpie to color in the edges mm-hmm. and. Uh, th- that's all really cheap stuff that you can make mm-hmm. or just you might already have. Yeah. That is a great D&D accessory. Um, D&D specific thing, accessories that I love. I like a good notebook. Mm-hmm. I like a nice like little journal for note taking. But um, I would probably say my favorite accessory is the Critical Role Fortune's Favor Spell Scroll. You do love that. I love that. It's a nice little dice rolling mat. It's got a section. It's got a little zipper to hold dice on one end, and it's got these plastic tubes in it on the other end, that are the perfect size to fit like most all character minis. And uh, you can also fit ex- uh, auxiliary dice. I have one that's just full of d sixes. Um, we don't travel to play D anD D because we host D anD D. We've got all the D anD D stuff here in the table, but I still use it because I really really like it. Yeah. And if you were a player that always goes elsewhere to play D&D, you can kind of just roll up and you've got your scroll and then you can just grab your notebook and your paper and you're pretty good to go at that point. Yeah. Um, For me, my favorite, I'll kind of piggyback, my favorite non-specific D&D, or non-necessarily specific to D&D accessory is packing tape and or uh, cover or uh, uh, sleeves for binder sleeves Mm -hmm. and a wet or dry erase marker. Yeah. Um, yep. Marking off spell slots, uh, 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 HP, um, anything like that, just or prepared spells from as my when mm-hmm. I play a wizard, like I do the prepared on the outside on the on the sheet, um, and that's easy to wet a little bit of a paper towel, wipe it off, and you're good to go at, uh, after your long rest. Yeah. I the the packing tape maneuver 
is now like just my default. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time we level up, I like to make a new character sheet to because we we love like throwing random feats and items and all this kind of shit at our players just because we love that. Mm-hmm. And when we play D anD D, that tends to happen too. So a lot of stuff can change. For example, between level four and level five with the campaign we played in last night. Um, so every time I do a level up, I like to clean up my character sheet and print out a new one yeah. and update all the information in it typed up. Uh, and then I'll go in with the packing tape and cover up like the HP box along with like the hit dice and the, the death saves and then my spell slots and all the different, like I, yeah. I put little parenthesis bracket open spaces for like features that have limited uses per something, and I cover all that in packing tape so you can dry erase and just like check them off. It is so nice. Oh yeah, just so nice. Just so nice. I think an easier if you, if you weren't OCD like me, and you're a fan of the binder, I think getting one of those full page sleeves would probably be a better way to go about that. And with red, wet erase in that instance, I would say more than dry erase. But I also I also have. Um, you can find on like Drive Through RPG and the DMs Guild backpack sheets, mm-hmm. and then like covering up the section for all the coins. It gives you bigger boxes yeah. for it, and all these. It, it, highly recommend. Highly recommend. Um, when it comes to D and D specific accessories, probably. Um, actually, I'm going to go with my dice box as well, which actually you made uh, for me for Christmas one year. If you go onto YouTube and you look up, uh, there's a dice maker called Ribonator. Um, he he does a lot of dice making videos, very dice goblin-y. And he has a video of him getting some stuff from Walmart and scrounging together and building a little dice box. And uh, that was my Christmas gift for you yeah. several years ago. But yeah... Um... It's it is solid. It is a good rolling surface because you know sometimes we have a lot of books in front of us, so I can put that on my lap and roll there. Yeah. Um, and I can transport minis in it because I do travel a little bit for D and D. Actually, after this, I'll be going up to Dayton, Ohio, to play some D and D. Some Star Wars D and D. Some Star Wars D and D. So, man, that. this question got a lot of attention. Yeah. I feel like we. I feel like we could talk for forty-five minutes about random D and D accessories that we love that we have. We probably could. Maybe we'll do that for uh, when we're when there's not a lot of D and D news going on. Yeah, when there's a slow week. All right. Next, uh, Dustin Blunt. Um, I don't know what a blunt is. Uh, do y'all listen to Dungeons and Daddies, Mad Pod, <laughs> or Rule, Rude Tales if Magic? I assume he means Rude Tales of Magic. Those are great podcasts. Yes and no. Yeah, I've. Uh, I'm I've, well aware of Dungeons and Daddies. I've listened. I've actually listened to Nadpod. N a d d p o d. Don't sing it. Anyway, um, but my normal podcast and content consumption rotation, I have no room to be adding anything more than like twenty minutes at a time. <laughs> I'm uh, as much as we like. Uh, we just spent a whole episode talking about Critical, and we talked about this book uh, a couple weeks ago. <sighs> I'm, I'm not even so caught up behind. on the campaign. I I do enjoy different D and D podcasts, but like you said, I just yeah. there is so much content out there. I I think Critical Role on YouTube has 13 episodes for Campaign Three. I just finished episode 11, and I I I am counting my lucky stars that they've decided to do like take off the last week of every month. Yeah, because <laughs> like I I'm not going to get caught up by the end of the month. But at least I'm not falling as far behind. <laughs> uh, one of one of my coworkers, she got into D and D 
and uh, she got into Critical Role during our time working together. We still work together. But she, like, binged immediately Campaign 3 and is all the way caught up and wants to talk about all these things. And I'm like, I'm two episodes behind. She's like, you're a fake fan. I'm like, no, I'm just... Got other things I would rather be doing yeah. than sitting down for four hours and watching D&D. We, we, we talk about, think about, live D&D a lot. Yeah. And I love Critical Role, and I will continue to watch Campaign 3, but I'm, sometimes sometimes I've got like an hour left of Critical Role, and I'm like, I can't, can't not do this right now. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh... And that's nothing against them. I love them. It's just a lot. It's a lot of content. I would be I would be fucking thrilled, and a lot of people would hate this. I would be thrilled if they went to Critical Role every other week. I'm not gonna lie to you. I would I would feel so much less stressed about <laughs> having to keep up with it. So yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Next one. Um, actually, just uh, Dustin. Justin talks to us a little bit here, saying "lol" at some point. I don't know what that was in reference to. I mean, we're all pretty funny. We are. We are hilarious. Constantly funny. Uh, Love D and D. I've been in a campaign since two thousand and three. Wow, that's the same one. It's almost twenty years. That's nineteen years. Are you meeting like once a quarter? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Is this a yearly game where you just like go and play for a week straight? Oh my gosh, we oh my fucking god, we need to do a D and D retreat. Mm. Like a full-on extended weekend, like multiple sessions over different campaigns, all weekend D&D fucking marathon. That would be so fun. I've had, I've had delusions of grandeur of my longest-running campaign. 34 sessions. We can meet like maybe once every quarter now. Yeah. But we were going like every other week for a while, and we're, we, we went from level 2 we are now at level fifteen. I'm the DM, and we're we're starting we're starting to get into the all right. We got to clean we got to clean some storylines up, and then we're gonna get to the main shit, mm-hmm. the big the big final like bubble like level twenty level nineteen shit. Um, and when that happens, I've always had the delusion of we'll get we can like we can plan for a weekend. We can get together we can we can find the time to we can take the time off we can get together we can go to the cabin we can do like D session break for lunch D session like and like have like a big fucking massive build-up thing for the end of the campaign which i think would be awesome i'd also be down for just like a party weekend where we play a lot of D. yeah you know, i think that'd be fun that'd be fun like every like everyone brings a session to DM and we all take turns. That'd be fun. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, get drunk. Enjoy enjoy the, the, the cabin hot tub. Eat some Eat some wangs. Eat some wangs. Or some dogs. Pizza. French fries. Burgers. Burgers. I'm drooling now. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> Is that it? Uh, Dustin Blunt says, Love that show. I assume in reference to Vox Machina. I hope so. Um, but yeah, Mr. Mr. Dandy DM sent the ho- uh, sent likes to the host. Thank you, Mr. Oh. Dandy DM. Thank you, thank you. Well, that's that's all that we got in the in the. In the week. Yeah, we're about we're about an hour twenty in. Hour I think twenty. We're, I think you that's know, I think that's good. We always we're always like okay, we're gonna 
Yeah. Here's the thing. We're always we're always into the thick of things. And I look down and I see, oh, fuck, we're 40 minutes in. And I'm like, I feel like we're going to wrap up here in a little bit. That doesn't feel good. And then magically 40 more minutes go by. <laughs> we're not that organized. We are not. So it's definitely not purposeful. No, and and you don't cut anything out, really, except for some ums and uhs. I cut out some ums and uhs. I cut out some pauses. I cut out, you know, like if we're like... Fucking with the cat. Yeah. That's... That kind of stuff. Yeah. Taking drinks of water. Cool. I often I often find myself cutting out Sam's bad jokes from time to time too. But that's just part of the course on this one. Um There are no bad jokes that I tell. Only ones Connor does not like. Yeah, they're bad. That's why I don't like them. No, because you have no taste. I've got I've you're like you're I've like got school in summer. Got no taste. class. Yeah, okay. Well, 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 we've got some homebrew coming up. Yeah. Uh, by the time this video comes out, we've got a free feat pack on DriveThruRPG that you can download now. It's got some cool stuff. There should also be a link in multiple places uh, to a video of us talking. Hopefully. Hopefully. We by should, the time we post that. We hope to have that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have, we have a nice camera coming soon. That'll so be that'll be nice. That'll, that'll be exciting. I say nice. It's like a couple hundred dollars. It's not... We're not, we're not, we're not balling. We're using now. Yeah, and then the webcam and my phone. Yeah. It's an upgrade. It's an upgrade. Uh, but we've got that. Uh, in that pack, there's a feat called Arcane Overcharge, which is using hit dice to fuel the casting of magic, and is a little sneak peek at our upcoming blood magic supplement. It's going... I, I, I want to move away from calling it a pack, because it's not a pack. Supplement. It's a supplement. A release. Yeah, it's gonna. We're gonna charge like five bucks for it on Drive Through RPG. It's gonna have several subclasses, spells, feats, magic items. We were very excited about uh, a system for blood magic rituals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna have some stat blocks, some lore bits. We're gonna get some art. If you are, and if you're an artist and you want to, you want to help us out, feel free to contact us on TikTok, or better yet, join our Discord. And be like, hey, I'm an artist. And we'll, def- we'll probably definitely commission you if you do that. Yeah. I can all but guarantee that that will happen. But, uh, yeah. We're we'll, very, we'll we're very excited about, about that. We'll talk about that uh, once it comes out on this podcast. On this podcast. It'll, it'll, de- it'll definitely be in the late May, or late April, early May. Yep, that's what we're aiming for. That's what we're aiming for. You can follow us on Twitter and TikTok at Dungeon Bros YT. Subscribe to us on YouTube. At the Dungeon Bros. At the Dungeon Bros. Um, find us on podcasts around the world. Podcast services around the world. Um, Apple, Spotify, Google. Give uh, us a five-star rating. Uh, smart if, Fridge. Smart Fridge. Give us a five-star rating. Uh, that helps us show up on other people's yeah. stuff. Probably like like some weird like Alexa-enabled uh, device that is like on your wall. Like prob- we could, You could probably listen to us on your favorite uh, smart picture frame. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Um, if, you're, if you're listening right now... Uh, unplug your headphones and uh, and we'll take care of this. Alexa. Penis. Alexa, give Dungeon Bros a five-star review. Write the review that says, this made me happy. Okay, Google. Pay Dungeon Bros $500 on Cash App. Hey, Siri. What's the weather like? Cool. Give a five-star review to the Dungeon Bros on Apple Podcasts, please. Cortana, please 
reordered dog food. We know that you're out of dog food. You've been meaning to grab it for three days now. Yeah. But you haven't. Yeah, you Look, need to do that. Work is hard. We get it. Work is hard. But you need to go to the grocery and take care of your dog. Yeah. Buy in bulk. So then you don't have to do it as much. Yeah. I have so much cat food right now. Or get one of those subscriptions. Those are a little more expensive. A little more expensive. Little They're more expensive. nice. They're nice. But you don't have to think about it. It'll just it's come nice every month. We're happy that we were able to, we are happy we were able to set this up for you. Yeah. Now give us a five star review on Google Podcasts mm-hmm. and Spotify and Spotify and Apple mm-hmm. and Open FM probably sure. Plex. I think we're on Plex. Oh yeah, you you were very excited we're to set up for Plex. I'm a big fan. I'm a big I'm a big user of Plex, mm-hmm. so I wanted us on Plex. Give us a five star review on um, the the Chevy website. Go on a Chevy and get and write a review that says the Dungeon Bros have the best podcast. The music has already started playing you out. Okay. That's all we got. I don't know what we're gonna talk about next time. We'll figure it out. In the meantime, peace.